No, they... Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. This is Slow Your Roll with Dominic Lorenzano and always the writer for the Yaki Wave Report, Jesse Caulfield. And we got a lot on the slate today, guys. Tom Brady came back to New England to get the rest of his stuff after the divorce. And uh, wow, that was clunky. Not the way we wanted. That was a close game all the way. Bucks taken in the end. We got our reactions to that. Our reactions to all the Belichick and Brady talk that's been going on and just why the media is being kind of ridiculous on this stuff. The media has no guts. And the Red Sox punch their ticket into the playoffs a little dramatically. Could have been all chaos, but it was not. We will preview the MLB playoffs and wrap up the MLB season, especially with a fun little game. Uh, Little, little game he used to play in uh, high school talking about stuff. We'll, make, we'll do that with the MLB playoff teams. All that and more on the show today. But from here, I am going to kick it off to Jesse Caulfield. Jesse, get us started today. Hello, Dominic. Hello, Jesse. It has been an interesting weekend for sports. But I want to talk about last weekend. Because last weekend we went on a little trip. We had a Tuesday show because of it. Uh, we went to Kentucky for some personal reasons, have some fun. But on the trip, we didn't really know what we were going to do Saturday. And um, when we were literally making the trip, we went to Cincinnati. Uh, and we were like, hey, you know what? Let's see a Reds game. So we drove back on Saturday, about two hours where we were. And we went to Great American Ballpark. I found out that was named after an insurance group. Uh, it wasn't just named for the park. Uh, but it is. It's a pretty nice park. Very kid-friendly, though. You know, and it's not really our style up here. But, hey, I get it. Uh, trying to attract young viewers and whatnot. Getting a little park in there. But, oh, it's just, you know what? A nice park in general. I like the setup of it. I like the location of it. Right on the river. Uh, nice a park. Trops to the Cincinnati for that. However, while we were there, I mean, it was a fantastic game. I, want, I went to that game. You know, Reds were still in the playoff hunt. But they're basically out just based on what the Cardinals were doing and a little bit how they were playing as well. Um, but they're like, I had no expectations. I didn't care. Uh, they were playing the Nationals. I just had players I wanted to see. A Juan Soto, he played. I would like to see Joey Votto. He didn't play. I wanted to see Jesse Winker. He didn't play. I wanted to see Mike Busakis. He didn't play. But whatever. That's not the point. You got to see Castellanos. I did. And like I, I literally just, I just wanted a good game. And it was a great game, even. You know, back and forth. Uh, Nationals kept taking the lead. Reds kept tying it. Uh, a lot of, I mean, not a lot of offense, but, like, a lot of high-pressure situations, at least. And it was very enjoyable. And it was tied in the late innings. And this is what the, the whole point of this is. It was tied 5-5 in the late innings. Reds are still in the playoff race. They need to basically win out and the Cardinals to lose out. But, hey, play, play, play. The fans, on the other hand, seem to be unaware of all of this. Uh, you know, we're we have de- we had decent seats. They're not the seats we bought, but the ones we sat in. Uh, I I don't know. What, Dom, what would you say? Fifteen? Probably more like twenty twenty five rows back. Yeah. Um, not the most expensive seats, especially for a team like that that has had no success recently. 
And but the people below us, you know, the rich people seats, they have them everywhere in every park. You know, the first couple ten rows. Um, it's the seventh inning. Tie ball game, five five. People on uh, people on bases. The Reds are pitching, and Juan Soto is at the dish. Maybe the most exciting man to watch in all of baseball. One of the, at least one of the most exciting people to watch in all of baseball, especially when he's at the plate because he's not chasing anything and he'll foul off anything, and it'll just be great. What do these fans do in this high intensity late inning game that is tied, and your playoff hopes are hanging by a string? They think it's a great time to start the wave. These people are like standing up doing the whole one, two, three, and then they try to do the wave and it doesn't catch on. You know why? Because the real fans who are sitting in the back who paid pennies on the dollar for these tickets uh, are watching the game. They're watching Juan Soto. And this really made me mad because I'm sitting there. I'm not a fan of either team. If I had to pick one, I'd pick the pick the Reds to win um, because, you know, I wanted to see them in the playoffs. Oh, the boring, boring Cardinals. And these fans are literally just... You know, trying to do the wave. We want to do the wave. That's what baseball is all about. We want to do the wave. I want to do a baseball game. Guess what I did, guys? I did the freaking wave. We only do the wave in Boston. You know what inning? Maybe about the third. Uh, maybe if we it happens after the fifth, it's a blowout game. Like it's not happening after the fifth. Just not. And it's the seventh inning tie game, and these people want to do the wave. They're not paying attention at all. Uh, and I, I mean, I took every fiber of my being not to literally walk down there and be like, hey, hey, like there's a great game going on. Juan Soto's at the dish. Pay attention. Like this is why, listen, this is not, you know, the fans have little to no input on the product on the field. However, at the same time, I feel if you are these fans, don't be surprised if the product on the field is ass. You don't care. So why would management care? Why would anyone care? You don't. They got your money already. You're already there. You're not paying any attention, but they got your money. So the like Reds fans, like <laughs> oh my god, like you went in like I was okay with the ballpark being the way it is, and it is a nice ballpark. However, like I said, we don't have kids playgrounds in our ballpark. That's not what this is about. But like you want that fanfare crap? Sure, that's that's kind of nice. But you have an entire play park, like. Invest in other things, Reds. How about that? How about instead of trying to get the kids to the park, which are give them something to do, stuff like that, but like invest in your team on the field, not on the ballpark, because maybe the fans, you'll get some real fans that'll show up. That place was half filled. Here's the thing. There was incredible storylines going on in baseball. Sadly, the games, games 162 came on a Sunday. Stupid MLB for scheduling that. You're dumb. Uh, but that's a different rant for a different day. Uh, however, there are some incredible storylines. The NLS, uh, the American League wild card, and it could have been both wild cards. Now, there's nothing the Reds can really do about the Cardinals winning 17 games in a row. However, you were beaten in that 17-game span, so there was something you could do about it. You could have maybe won your games. Uh, but, 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 if you... And I'm blaming the fans for this, and I realize how weird that sounds. If you, fans, maybe were into it, look at Seattle fans. They had no business being there. No one, they like, who's on that team? Discount Corey Seager? Mitch Haniger. Oh, yeah, you know what? He carried that team. He really carried that team. No, he really did. For the past couple weeks. Um, but they, those fans, they knew there was very low that 
of all teams, the Mariners. It was going to be the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Blue Jays. Probably in all likelihood. The fact that the Mariners were there was incredible. I said they were going to be there, by the way. Um, and the fans were loving it. The sold out games. Absolute rowdy crowd from first pitch to the last pitch. They loved it. Where were the Reds fans? That park was, I'll be generous, half filled. They didn't care. They weren't rowdy. I saw a walk-off in person for the first time in my life. Shout out to Nick Castellanos. It wasn't that electric. I was excited myself more than these Reds fans were. Like they didn't they weren't that into it. And I don't don't be surprised when you don't make the playoffs. Because if the fans don't care. I expect uh, Seattle management to do something this offseason. Like, hey, we made a push. The fans are happy. The fans have expectations. We need to meet those expectations now. At least try to meet those expectations in this offseason. Maybe make some trades, some sit, some signs. Uh, why would the Reds do that? For the fans? They don't care. They clearly don't. Mr. I want to do the wave in the seventh <laughs> inning in a tie ball game. Like, it was annoying. These aren't good fans, Dom, is the point I'm making here. I get you. Uh, uh, here's, I, here's what you need to understand. You, this is, I feel like this is one of your first experiences. I mean, I know you've been to other ballparks. Ballpark. I know you've been to other road ballparks, but like. The Toronto is, fans were great when I went to Toronto. Toronto's up there too for good fanfare, but like, this is why Boston is different. That, what you saw, is typical yes. of the rest of we have winning sports attitudes. fans. Yes, I know. We just, it's, it means more in Boston. It means more in the Northeast. Listen, I get Cincinnati, like, has nothing. You have the Bengals and the Reds. Well, the like, Bengals are one of the cheapest organizations in all of sports. Well, the point is you haven't had a real good product on any field in a very long time. So what do you have to be a fan for? And I'll give you that. Like, what do you actually have to be a fan for over there? Nothing. But. You had something to be a fan of. The Reds were in a playoff spot. Hmm. Now, they choke that away. I didn't have much faith in them, but like fate was in their hands, and they were like, oh, no. Hot. Got to drop that. Um, but like, where were the fans? This is about the fans. And, it, it, you know, it, fan interest can translate into investment from the team. Well, yeah, because if you care about winning and then management isn't winning, then they're not making as much money and they're not as relevant, yeah. so then they need to go try and win. But when you show that you're losing and it's not a big deal, do not be surprised when you're going to lose next year too. You need to you need to be real fans here. Oh, I love going. That was a fun thing to do. Did you understand what you saw? Did you care what you saw? From what I saw, no, none of you did. Now, shout out to the guy right in front of us because he was on my side with this stuff. Like, I was seeing bad, some bad play, some bad base running, and I was just kind of like, this is why you're not in a playoff spot. And that guy was trying to like, yes, that is true. That guy was a real fan. There's some real fans out there in the cheaper seats. You know, the ones that are saying, like, you don't deserve $100 from me, Reds, because what is this product? And I think, I mean, I like the Reds. I like Nick Castellanos. I love Joey Votto. Jesse Winker's fun to watch. Um, Joe, uh, you had Bauer for a year. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, what's that? Amir uh, Garrett. I like watching him, too. He's just a fiery guy. That's fun to watch. Um, but you have... 
interesting players. And, like, I feel so bad for Joey Votto. He's been loyal to this team. And has he ever played a playoff game? I think he's had once or, like, had one season where he made the playoffs. The Brandon Phillips year with the fight with the Cardinals, then they make the playoffs that year? They might have. I think That's that right. was the I year. Think that was, like, the one time. And yeah. I don't think you yeah. – you definitely didn't go anywhere. No. So – this is also a cry for help for Joey Votto. This is what I'm turning this into now. Uh, somebody, Joey Votto needs help. He needs some pitching. So it's not all offense because that's all this team was, which is exciting. It's hard to pitch in that park, though, too. Fine. That's right. I mean, that's, that's, right, why, that's right out there with Coors Field. Is, that's, why you, that's a band box. That's why you need that. You need to invest in that. Yeah, I get you. Because um, it's just a slugfest every day. And sure, that's fun. That's fun to watch. It really is. But, like, you're gonna, you're probably going to lose out. If that's the case, because yeah. eventually you're just going to run into a team with half decent pitching, and then what are you going to do? <laughs> Nothing. So, Reds fans, you suck. <laughs> you really do. Yeah, I mean, I, all I have to add to that really is Jesse. That, that's the way the rest of the country really is. Boston is unique in that. But I mean, I haven't been to Seattle. They looked like fantastic fans they for the did. past they, couple they, weeks. They did. They, they they did get very into it. Toronto fans. When I went there in '05. Well, Toronto does care. Toronto, they were Tor- great fans. Toronto's up there actually they, in caring they were about baseball actually, there. The, the, Jays, the Jays are big. When I went to Toronto, we went to the three-game series because we had the hotel like room on the field. I did that too. First game was going was all Red Sox. Fans were not having it. Absolutely like just booing everything. You could hear everyone just yelling, throwing crap on the field. And like I don't condone the throwing crap on the field, but like you clearly like you clearly are very upset and you care very much about what's going on right now. I also went to Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was the only one there. Exactly. <laughs> also the worst ballpark in the league. All right. From that, we are going to transition real quick. Rapid fire news. So in the NFL, I'm, <laughs> that not was going, sudden. I'm not going through them all, but the Jets finally won. The New York Jets won a game. Oh, it was great for me. I put money on the money line. Oh. They ruined their draft. That was a that was a throw that was just a throwaway. The payout was so good. I was like, I gotta take this. They won. Jets beat the Titans 27-24 in overtime. Zach Wilson finally didn't look like a mess, and the Jets finally won a game. They ruined their draft pick again. I know, right? I was thinking (laughs) that too. Colts take down the Miami Dolphins. The woes for the Dolphins continue 27-17. The Bills absolutely destroyed another opponent. It was the Texans, who right now, with David Mills as their quarterback, a third stringer. They're a little more than a college team, uh, 40 to nothing. The Chiefs beat the Eagles. The Chiefs' defense continues to struggle, though, 42-30. Packers take down the struggling Steelers, 27-17. After that week one, Jesse, I think we might have hit the Steelers right on the head. I you feel like right I, I did. Yeah. I mean, I didn't like them either. I said they're not going to have a winning record. Uh, I think I hit the Eagles right on the head, too, after their week one. Seahawks 28-21 over the Niners. Jimmy G went down with an injury. I saw that face. I know maybe the Eagles are a little bit better than I thought, but they're still not a good team. And the Cardinals, after the Rams played perfect the week before, come crashing down to earth, and the Rams do. They lose to the Cardinals 37-20. The Cardinals' sole possession of first place in the West. Red Sox, both the Red Sox and Yankees punched their ticket into the playoffs, avoiding what could have been an absolute chaotic mess. I'll be honest, I kind of wanted the mayhem, even though I love that the Sox made it. I was kind of rooting for a mess that would have been kind of funny. 
Uh, both did it in dramatic fashion as the Sox had to come back from a 5-1 deficit on the heels of an Alex Verdugo double and a two-run homer by Devers then in the ninth inning to beat the Nationals 7-5. Yanks walk off on a walk-off fielder's choice by Aaron Judge in the ninth to beat the Rays 1-0. They will match up on Tuesday, Garrett Cole against Eovaldi. Locally, Masco against Beverly. Beverly went on the road once again, their third straight road game, and they lost in heartbreaking fashion to Masconomic 26-25 as Masco had a late drive and scored a uh, game-winning touchdown with 40 seconds left on the clock. Beverly could not respond. Copeland had 111 rushing yards, 77-yard TD for one of them, and Pierce Heim had two touchdown passes, uh, including a 25, uh, including a 10-yarder to Zach Sparkman and a 27-yarder to Smalls. Also, locally, Salem finally beat Gloucester. Salem finally won a game, 15-6. Salem's first win over Gloucester since 1999. I was four. What? I was four. What? I was four in 1999. Oh, I know. That's what I'm saying. Solid year. Yeah, that, that's how terrible. That's how, ter- that's how far that, that Salem's football program has fallen. Uh, and that has been Rapid Fire News. I'm not putting the bucks in rapid-fire news because we're just about to talk about it right now anyway. Yeah, it's time for your weekly Tom Brady update. Weekly Tommy update. Uh, I mean, I'll start out with Tom. He went 22 for 43 for 269 yards. Became the fourth quarterback ever to beat all 32 NFL teams. Uh, But this game really wasn't as much as it was made up to be about Tom and Bill. The game ended up not really being that much about Tom. No. There was, I feel, a lot of Patriots storylines we can talk about coming out of this game. Pleasantly coming out of this game, despite the fact you took the L. Because it was in an unexpected fashion. Heck, looking back, it was a very winnable game. I kind of think you should have won. But too many mistakes, too many small mistakes that added up to two less points on the scoreboard. Yeah. So... I mean, if you want to go down this quick stat line, like Mac Jones, 31 for 40. We said we didn't want him to throw a lot. He had to. Just well, ha- we knew he was going to have to throw a lot because you knew they weren't going to run the ball in the best However, defense. I didn't expect negative one rushing yard I mean, to the, end the game. I mean, I almost felt like from the get-go, the game plan, they just accepted the fact that they weren't going to be able to run the ball. That's Again, that's fine. But when you're le- your, your leading rusher was Nelson Aguilar with one carry for four yards. Like, <laughs> hey, but Jacoby Myers looked good. Eight receptions, 70 yards. Kendrick Bourne looked pretty good. Um, Mac Jones looked actually pretty good uh, after last week looking a little lost but he looked poised um, he looked calm he seemed to control the offense pretty well at the line uh, he would pick up coverages that people would miss he was fast getting the ball out of his hand I like what I saw from Mac Jones it's still going to be a process and he's got a long way to go but the fact that you held your own against Tom Brady, which had a lot to do with the defense, obviously. The weather helped, too. Yeah, but he kept him there. At mm. no point was I like, whoa, you, this is getting away. It never got away from them. No. Again, part of that was the defense. Don't let it get away. But he kept him always close. It was never like more than like three points away. Yeah. Except for that like touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but, and here's my thing on that. I think it's funny. All you Pats fans, again, do this again. Last week it was, oh, the team's no good. It's just not a good team this year. Everyone calm down all the time. Just calm down. 
And by the way, I will totally admit I expected that game to be far worse than it was. But this is why everybody, just relax. Just calm down. Can't just bail after one really bad game. Mac Jones is a rookie. He's going to have the growing pains. That was the first time they really put a lot on him. And they couldn't run the ball. And it was terrible last week against the Saints. But what a performance by Mac Jones considering the circumstances. After having a terrible game the week before, now you have to play in Gillette Stadium as Tom Brady comes to town. Super Bowl winning. All the pressure on the Pats in the sense of the like Bill Belichick's been ripped now for the last two weeks. Pats fans, sad Brady left, and you have to play in the place that Brady built while Brady is back there for the first time, and the pressure is on you because now you're the one stepping into these shoes. And Mac Jones looked really good. He looked really poised. Never seemed like the pressure got to him. Uh, no, no dumb mistakes, no dumb penalties. He executed the Offense. That was an absolutely beautiful performance by Mac Jones. That should make every Pats fan feel really good. And that's not to say that there's not going to be more Sundays like the Saints game. I'm sure there will be. This will be a process, everybody. It's been a long time since we've been through one of these, so there will be a long process. But wow, Mac did not look overwhelmed at all, which is what most of these rookie quarterbacks have looked throughout most of the time. With yeah. all the pressure in the world on him. The, kid, the kid's got the clutch gene. The kid's got that gene that you can't really teach. Yeah, I don't know if he'll work. I don't know if he's talented enough. There might be a ceiling. It really helps to have Bill and Josh McDaniels with that. To sit there on the sideline with him and go, real relax. It does. Just, but you know what also would help him that he doesn't have? An elite receiving weapon? No. Or elite tight end? No, however, actually, the tight ends... Or a running game. The tight ends look pretty good. The tight ends stepped up. Yeah. Two touchdowns. Nobody's a lead. One for each. No. But, I mean, I still expect this. You know, Kendrick Bourne is new. Nelson Aguilar is new. Both your tight ends are new. I think Kendrick Bourne's about to step into the James White role a little bit now that White's gone. That's fine. I like Kendrick Bourne. No, I do, too. Um, I don't think... Yeah, he's not a number one. Um, no, but, I, but what I'm saying is I think we might have a replacement for James White. With those short little passes? Yes. Uh, good. Lord knows we need one. Mm. Um, but, you know, these are all new players, and there's going to be some time to get in sync. And this clear, there was a clear step forward for all of them, I feel, that happened this week. Um, yeah, there was some trick plays called, and they were all in sync on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that little that play, uh, the touchdown by Jonu Smith. It happened so fast. Everyone was in sync. Um, and even like Mac Jones, like just going to the line. So I'm called a lot of audibles, stuff like that. I like that. Yeah, he ran. He I ran loved, the. He ran the offense. I love to see that. Mm. I can't say what it made me feel, but it made me feel something. <laughs> um, and it made. But what it mostly made me feel is that the future is bright. Yes. That this is not... We're not going to become the Jets. No. We're not going to be the Jaguars. As much as everyone wants to tell you, Belichick stinks now and it's over for New England. I like your point there. His fingerprints were still all over that game in a big way. Oh, he confused Tom. Uh, Oh, yeah. There was constant different looks. um, Just banging the receivers at the line every single play basically mm-hmm. I, I actually thought that maybe they go after him they did not at all no uh, it was all about it was all about just disguising coverage yes um, and attempting to stop the run 
which like I mean Leonard Fournette's a great running back. You don't have a good run defense. And by the so. way, even when they did go after Tom, they, they hit him with a couple like real aggressive zero blitzes. But you know what they did beforehand all the time? They kept showing that blitz look and then not blitzing and dropping back in the coverage. So the few times they blitz, they they even disguised it with the fact that they had been showing they were going to do that all night, and then they wouldn't do it. The defense reminded me of that Super Bowl, the second Super Bowl against the Rams. Hmm. There was constantly uh, like you know the safeties and cornerbacks were getting close to the line, and like you know everyone's standing up, so you don't know who's coming, who's staying back. And yeah, sometimes people would drop back, sometimes they wouldn't. You just you didn't know. You didn't mm-hmm. know who was coming, who wasn't. And a lot of times, yeah, no one would come at all. I thought they did after the initial, like, I think, first two or three drives. I think Bill did a very nice job of taking Mike Evans away also. He did still have seven catches, though. Yeah, but a lot of those were on, like, the first two or three drives. And then after that, they shut it They shut it down. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot of – I mean, they looked – even Brady looked sloppy. And maybe that was the rain. You know, ball maybe slipping out of his hand a little too soon. But he – he was rushing throws. Maybe he didn't need to rush. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's missing his receivers. A lot of time high. Uh, just slightly overthrowing him and stuff like that. And I feel that that's a lot. It has to do with making Brady think more people are coming than mm-hmm. there are. While still covering these receivers. So, like, even if it is a bad throw, but it's catchable, it, it becomes uncatchable because the coverage is there. Yeah, And they took away any of the explosives also. They did make that made the Bucks earn it. Yeah, but Leonard Fournette definitely earned it. Yeah, he did. He, they, that was the guy they really had trouble stopping. Yeah, they really did. I mean, that's um, why I but like we don't, we don't but, have a good again, run defense. But that's why we knew Tampa was probably going to win this game. Now I thought oh, it was just I didn't many. think it would be that close. But we said Bill might be clever and all. But like at the end of the day, there's just too many options here. The thing, this was a winnable game. There was a big fumble on the Bucks thirty. Yes, you. I don't think you should have made that kick to end the game. Oh, we'll we're gonna get to that in a sec. I just wanna uh. I wanna bring up one last point, especially since we just talked about the weapons. So, Pats fans, everything I just said, you know, future is bright, blah 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 blah. But let me also be honest about something right now. We are still in the exact same situation that we were in last year or two years ago, as far as just winning games and as a team. The New England Patriots still have absolutely no ability to be explosive and dynamic. And that means no matter if Mac plays like he did last week or he plays like he did against the Bucs, no matter how good he is, there's a pretty low ceiling uh, to what this team can do, especially in football in today's day and age. Until the Pats figure out how to get some actual, real, elite, dynamic players into this offense. This is what New England is going to be, guys. I know we all want to trust in Bill. I trust in Bill. I love Bill. Defense, coaching, blah, 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 blah. And that will get you a bunch of wins. But in today's day and age of the NFL, with the offenses the way they are and the rules the way they are, you need the ability to be explosive and dynamic. Because this team has no ability to overcome mistakes. When you have to have 10 play drives all the time, it's just one holding penalty. It's one false start. It's one drop pass. And they have no ability to overcome that because everything has to be perfect. This isn't the Chiefs. This isn't even the Browns, even though I don't love Baker or the Chargers, who can mess up multiple times. But at the end of the day, Keenan Allen gets deep. Herbert hits him. 
Tyreek Hill, 35, 40 yards on a deep play after the Chiefs are down by 17 for some reason because they decide to take the first quarter and a half off. That's what that's what the NFL is right now. And if you have no ability to overcome your mistakes, because everyone, no matter how well coached, is going to have some, and you have no ability to just rebound from anything that doesn't quite go your way, then there's a pretty low ceiling to what your team can do. And New England has to figure this out, or else it won't change and it won't get better. I don't 100% agree with that. Because... Yeah, you say like that's what the NFL that's what they want the NFL to be right now. However, no, that, no, 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 that's what it is. However, when were the Patriots, even with Tom Brady, ever really bad? You had a guy like Gronk who could kind of do that. Gronk is explosive, but like he doesn't. He's a thing. It's, it's a different kind of explosive. He was on the field half the time, and that was kind of it. I mean, Julian Edelman could kind of be explosive. He's a good slot receiver, but like Randy Moss. Rob Gronkowski. In this Brady era, that's kind of the two guys I would... I mean, I guess Wes Walker maybe too. But even then, like, he's the same as Julian Edelman. Like, Julian Edelman can make big plays. He... he Is he Tyreek Hill? No. But Edelman can make big plays. He could. Come on, he's throwing to Jacoby Myers. Yes. And here's the thing. Brady was throwing to guys like that forever. I don't, and yet I don't he think would, Jacoby Myers would, beat. would make a lot of teams. Listen, I know Brady hated his guts for some reason. Um, but the point is, like, we always would say, Brady's winning without these real elite weapons. So they would, a guy like Bill, and yeah, he's Mac Jones ain't Tom Brady. There's a difference between elite weapons <laughs> and there's a difference to what the Pats have. Here's the thing. They're not even good weapons. Nelson. Jacoby Brissett, I mean, Jacoby Myers is not a starting wide receiver on almost any roster in this league. He would absolutely start for the Jets. That's about it. And he'd be uh, the third wide receiver on the Jets. Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis are both better than him. Uh, I think he would absolutely, st- I think he would absolutely be on a couple teams. He wouldn't be a starter. He'd be your fifth string. Mm-hmm. And that's the guy who's soaking up the, the most. Thing. That's the guy who's soaking up the you, most targets in this offense. I mean, coming into this year, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne were absolutely NFL quality players, and he's doing more than them. Are you going to say Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne would not make the other 30, 31 NFL teams? Because that's ridiculous. I didn't say okay. I overdid it, but Jacoby wouldn't be a starter. Myers, he'd be your fifth but, wide receiver. Listen. That, that's, I think that's extreme. I think Jacoby Myers has actually shown me that he's a pretty good wide receiver. I think Myers knows the system, and that's why he's soaking up the most amount of targets. Uh, maybe. But, like, here's the thing. That's the thing. This system works. We don't need these flashy players. Yes, yes. you do. Listen, this is a lot of transition right now. People are learning, um, and we have a rookie quarterback. It's not going to work right now. But I don't. I'm not that person. Oh, you need that elite wide receiver right now. You, I, you, no, I mean, I'd like to. You need, some like ability better to be, you players. need some ability to be explosive, whether it means your quarterback is the one who can make big things happen. Like I would suggest to you that the Ravens don't have an elite wide receiver or really elite uh, uh, option in the passing game. But Lamar, I think Marquise Brown is a pretty, but Lamar is such a playmaker that Lamar makes explosive things happen himself. I think Marquise Brown is not elite, but he's a really good wide receiver. He's pretty good. He's really good. I think he's a two. I mean, it depends on who he's with. And he might, he could be a one, maybe a little bit to be desired in a one. 
but like he's he's upper echelon wide receiver. I feel. You just it doesn't have to be a wide out. It can be your quarterback who's a playmaker who makes big plays happen. It can be your tight end. It can be a running okay. back. Here's the thing about that. Though. But you when need that Brady, sort of ability. Brady was never flashy. Brady no. just did. He just did. The league was also a and little different. Thing. And the league was a little different back then. And yet when it changed, he was still the one winning. For a little while. He won last year. And yes, I know he's got nothing but flashy players. Wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Stop it. No, 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 no. You shut up. No, you shut up and listen. There's four guys on that team that can beat a team over the top. What are you talking about? And look how they spanked people down the stretch when they learned to play each other. That's why that's different. He could still do it. And he is like, he was the reason we made the playoffs two years ago. He was the only reason we made the playoffs two years ago. Yeah. And... Could he have used some better players? Yes. But did he need they need to be flashy? No, not really. Okay. I, I disagree. Thing, if I, you gave Brady it's... this exact lineup, I think we are competing with the Bills for that first spot. Easily. Oh, I do not think that. I absolutely do. No. I don't Brady know. loves his two tight ends. I and think Brady does not need elite wide receivers to make them look good. I think Brady is worth an extra one and a half in the system. Oh, that's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, Holy uh, hell. One and a half, maybe maybe two max, but I don't think... And by the way, I still think the Pats can make the playoffs this year. I'm just saying there's a ceiling here, and then you're not a Super Bowl contender. You're not an elite team in the, no, America, yep. in the AFC. If the Chiefs, Chargers, and Bills are all better than you because they have the ability to be explosive. I'll give you the Chiefs and Bills. I, I'm still a little sus about the Chargers. The Browns are better, too. I like... I like their personnel. I just want to see how they actually can, if they can continuously gel together. But, 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 but. like, yeah, no, I, I, I 100% believe if Brady was in this system, this exact system with Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, the two tight ends, like Brady loved two tight end systems. He did. He, he did. Lo- and like, you know, Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith are not Rob Gronkowski and he should not be named that we love to talk about for some reason. <laughs> um, but I still like. I feel like Brady was very much missing. He would go to Lacoste a lot for no reason, simply because I like my tight ends, and I hit. I like tight ends too. If you can have a guy, a big guy that can catch, that's big. No pun intended. And like Nelson Aguilar is fast. Mm. Brady can throw it downfield. Brady loves to throw the deep ball. It's like his favorite thing. Even if no one's down there, like yeah, let's throw it deep. Um, and get a safety in the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> do you remember that? I do remember that. Yeah. Uh, but I, I no, I really think if Brady was on this team, this team would be. I'll put them three and one if Brady is on this team. Okay. And the team you lost to might have been the Saints. Uh, I mean, I, I think he'd probably beat the Saints if he was here. Isn't it? I think he could. But if that's the one loss, it'll beat the Saints. Because Matt kind of lost that game a little bit too. A little bit, with but the, like with the three interceptions and stuff. He, sure, no, sure, but like Alvin Kamara, like was just a beast. That's what that's if that's the one loss, that's the loss. Okay, and obviously, like <laughs> Buccaneers aren't beating you without Brady. Like what? Well, no, no, obviously not. All right, but anyway, moving on. Not completely on though. I yes, want to talk sort about, of. I want to talk about everything we've heard over the last two weeks. With all the Brady and the Belichick crap, Scott Wickersham comes out with a book, and then all of a sudden, because that's what's going on in the media, and I'm sorry, but the media doesn't have a ton of guts. The media likes to roll with whatever the 
you know, public perception is, whatever has the talking points at the time. Scott Wickersham comes out with a book, and all of a sudden, all I'm hearing now for the last two weeks is, Belichick's not that good, he's not that great, it was all Brady, what a huge mistake by Bill, what an idiot, and he's a jerk, he's blankety blank blank as one of the quotes was that apparently Robert Kraft said at some point an a-hole he called him and an a-hole he called him an a-hole um which Bill is but like well yeah let's have some context <laughs> let's have a lot of context first off for Scott Wickersham in the book here's the thing about all these like books and all these stuff. I, you know I've said this too with friends who then break up with significant others and stuff and then they start complaining and whatever and then people agree with them and I'm just like take everything with a grain of salt I'm only getting one side of the story you're never getting two sides of the story and Bill's never going to talk so it's pretty clear to me from everything I've seen I'll probably buy the book and read it just because I kind of want to know but it means seems pretty clear to me that this is a largely one-sided account of everything that went on in New England and making Bill look pretty bad. I'm not saying not all of the stories are true. I'm sure plenty of them are. But, you know, perception is reality, right? In a way. So just because you saw one thing or his allies or friends saw one thing, that doesn't mean that somebody else thinks that's the same way. And it seems to be a very one-sided account of everything that went on in New England. Here's the other thing that I want everyone to... Let's be honest, okay? Dynasties don't last that long. If you're going to have three... Because there's consequences to everything that you do in life and trade-offs. The thing that happens with hyper-aggressive alpha males who are extremely competitive is there's pitfalls. And the pitfalls usually you come across as ego You have so much success, you always think you're right. You can be blinded by other things. You want your own credit. You want this. You want that. And other people don't see it the same way. And when all three, two, four, however many men are involved in this system, when they're all successful, they think that their way of thinking and what they did is the reason why they were successful. And that's usually what breaks these kind of things up. And it is the costs of being great. And that is what happened here. And Bill deserves all the credit in the world because Bill created a system that lasted for 20 years, lasted longer than any other dynasty in pro sports. And Brady deserves credit for meshing all of the players together. And Robert Kraft deserves credit because at the end of the day, he was the visionary CEO who hired these people and wrote the checks and everything like that. But let's not crap on Bill Belichick and say he had nothing to do with this. There is no Tom Brady without Bill Belichick. It's pretty obvious. And you can even say at different seasons and different points, especially in the early stages, it was more Belichick than Brady. And then other seasons, maybe it was more Brady than Belichick. But this is what greatness does. You need people to pick up the slack in places where you're not succeeding. And that doesn't mean that you know, one person deserves more credit than the other, but not everyone's perfect on every day. And so this is what it is. There is no Brady without Bill, and there probably is no great Belichick without Brady either. But yeah, that's the pitfalls of success. And I don't want to hear just because it must be because Bill's a jerk. Bill's an idiot. Bill's an a-hole. No, Bill designed this. Bill had every right. 
And the last thing, too, I saw, I see it all the time. I think it was, I might have been Undisputed or First Things First or something. But they were like, is Bill Belichick letting Brady walk the greatest mistake in all of sports? And I was laughing my butt off. That is a ridiculous take. You can you can make the right decision and have it turn out wrong. That doesn't mean it's not the right decision. The worst decision in all of sports is the Red Sox selling Babe Ruth to the Yankees in 1918. Probably. But I don't even think Bill's decision to let Brady walk even is in the top 50 of bad sports decisions. But here's my thing. You can make the right decision and have it turn out wrong, but you still made the right decision. That doesn't make sense. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. All the data, everything in front of Bill, all the past football knowledge says don't pander to your aging quarterback and don't commit to him long term. Bill had an out, too, and they traded that away. But you know what doing that, you know what, you know what, bending over for your aging quarterback and giving him whatever he wants and committing to him long term, you know what that gets you? That makes you the Pittsburgh Steelers right now. Big Ben, completely done, should retire, and you're completely limited. All right, Brady is not Big Ben. No, no. He was clearly not going to be Big Ben. No, I know, but but that's my – I'm not saying Brady is, but I'm saying historically that's what happens when you you give in to the aging quarterback. Yeah, but Brady's built different. I know. And it was pretty clear a couple years ago. I mean, listen, it looked like there was some decline with him because the team, and now we realize that maybe that's because Bill whiffed for so many years on drafts and Bill has a hole and he can't draft skill people. But historically, that's what happens when you give in to the aging quarterback. How were the Giants for all those years with Eli Manning? Just giving Eli whatever he wants, refusing to realize what he was, what he was at this point. So that's, that's what that gets you. And so Bill looked at all of that, and he said, "No, why would I? Why would I do this? I don't want to be trapped. Pittsburgh is trapped today. The Giants were trapped. How, how are the Giants today? The Giants still aren't good today. Well, Bill apparently offered him a two-year deal in 2019. He he rejected it. Yeah, a two-year deal. That's what he has right now. Yeah, he might have a two-year deal, but there was a." There's a lot more commitment. Like, Tampa is committed to Tom in a way that I don't think Belichick and the Pats would have been. No, yes. And there's, like, multiple reasons for him to leave. Uh, but, all right, Don, let me be honest. I'm so sick of this stupid storyline. It's so ridiculous and got blown way out of proportion. And this wicker man... Uh, well, that's why I want... This is, like, why I want to say what I said about it. And this is, like, wants to be, like, the last time I talk mm-hmm. about it. Well, yeah. Well, the media's take on this is ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Who the hell is this guy? I had never heard of him before this week. And then I was like, who is this source? He was a reporter there for years, I guess. Okay. There was several other reporters. There's many other reporters going in and out of that building for years. Why is this guy the only one with these sources? I don't really believe him. Now, is it all totally untrue? Probably not. Do I think Robert Kraft called Bill an a-hole? Yeah, Bill's an a-hole. But, like, that's part of the reason why he's successful. Well, yeah, that's one of the pitfalls of success, by the way, too. A lot of um, men who are like this are, are they're kind of jerks. Yeah, and that's, that's fine. We, we've known Bill. Part of the running joke with Bill was how much of just an absolute a-hole he was 
to the media, and it was really funny. So here's the thing. Oh, by the way, that's the other reason the media has uh, is piling on yeah. and having this take oh, right now. I was going to say that. Is this why the Wicker Man released his book? Maybe. Um, and like, yeah, probably some of it's true. However, some of it is, I almost guarantee, exaggerated. Or yeah, he just misinterpreted or saw something he actually, or he thinks he saw something he didn't. Or heard something he didn't. Because you know what? Um, for the past year, I mean, you know, you can ask a Patriots fan. We all have different reactions to how Brady left. For the most part, I think it's like at least some sadness. Damn, I'm sad to see him go. Um, I'd like to have more success with him. But also, we wanted him, we really wanted him to retire here. I love when players do that. They play their whole career for him and they retire for them. Um, however, a year ago, if you asked me, I was like, yeah, Brady wants nothing to do with this organization in this part of the country even. He's like, I hate the weather there. Me too. Me too, bro. Um, however, the past two weeks, I kind of changed my tune on that. When Mookie Betts was being traded by the Red Sox and everything that kind of came out after, which is not a lot. It wasn't that big dramatic thing. Um, mostly just with the, how the fans reacted to it, which they had the right to do. Um, I really got the sense Mookie Betts had, did not want to be here at all yeah. in this city with this team. Not the fact that he hated his time with the Red Sox, but he really did not see a future here. He didn't want to be in this city for whatever reason. Um, and I felt that with Tom Brady. However, the past few weeks, I'm feeling more and more that, you know, he wanted to be here with this team. And yeah, maybe he hated the weather, but he loved the fans. And I think he was generally sad that this relationship with Bill went the way it did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's partly ego on both of them of why it's not actually mending or never got mended. Maybe it's Bill being like he's being a stubborn guy. And that wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. But I've really gotten the sense. Yeah, but there were the stories of Alex Guerrero getting involved, too. And, like, if I was Bill, I wouldn't be cool with that either. And like I said, he was offered a contract, apparently, and denied it. Yeah. I think he saw, like... He's like, I want to be here. I wish this didn't happen. I wish we could mend this and fix this. But that's clearly not going to happen, so I need to do what's best for me. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't blame him for that either. But that, this is making me more sad that I'm getting the sense of like, damn, Brady Brady wanted... I, how, how can you not want that? If you play somewhere for 20 years, how can you not want to finish your career there? Mm-hmm. For obvious other like personal reasons and what is going on. Hey, the coach is being mean to you and whatnot. And I think Alex is kind of right. You can't treat a 40-year-old quarterback like a 20-year-old. However, I don't think he deserves special privilege, but maybe don't treat him like a little kid. And I don't know the specifics of that. Mm-hmm. I don't care the specifics of that. I'm never going to know. Bill's never going to say it. But that's um, from Alex Guerrero. And listen, no, Alex no, Guerrero, I, I wouldn't want no. Alex Guerrero around my team either. Listen, what works for you, Tommy, is fine, but stop telling my offensive lineman he shouldn't be lifting weights, you idiot. Whatever. <laughs> but, like, the point I'm making... You know that was one of the stories that came out, though, right? I didn't hear that one. But like, no, this came out like a couple of years ago. This came out shortly after Brady, like when it when it first became the rift between like Guerrero and the team and everything like that happened while Brady was still here. That story and, came out. That then that I guess that comment is what it is. But like, I mean, you know, Brady's not the one saying these things. This is Dad, and I'm sure he went to them and is probably saying like, "Damn, like, I wish they didn't treat me like that and stuff." But again, that's just giving me the sense. The fact that this is coming from Alex Guerrero and his dad, giving me the sense that like. Brady doesn't quite feel the way they misinterpret what Brady is saying. Brady deserve if he, this is all true, something like that. Brady, you know, deserves to maybe be a little upset. It's like, all right, this went south. And like you think, if a relationship goes south, you have a right to be upset about that. Hmm. Maybe Bill, uh, Tom, really looked up to Bill, and 
Bill started treating him like crap. And that really put a sour taste in his mouth. And he maybe went to Alex Guerrero or his dad. He's like, man, I wish that didn't happen. And they maybe interpreted it as, you, you just treated my son. You mistreated my client. How dare you? And Brady's like, no, that's not really what I meant. Yeah. Um, and that's, again, that's really the sense I'm getting over the past week. And how, did you hear actually the report this morning? Like, you know, we there was a huge deal made this past week. What's the handshake going to be? It's going to be before a game. Will it be at all? It was very quick on the field and almost looked awkward. Hmm. However, Brady stayed out there, greeted almost everyone. Everyone walked up to him and stuff like that. There was I heard this morning there was a meeting. Bill, before the game, uh, reached out to the Bucks organization. And was like, after the game, I want to meet with him and talk with him. And because he, Bill's not a public guy like that. He's not going to do things in public like no, that. No, I'm, I'm still surprised he did it at all. Mm. And then there was he was seen going into the bill uh, the Bucks locker room, and he was there for like twenty minutes, and then he came out, and Tom Brady came out right after. Mm. I read that on the toilet this morning, and I was like, "Oh my god, these are human beings!" And I was actually that made me really sad because mm. I I like I really want Brady to be here, and I've I've I wish this didn't go on even for them personally. I wish they didn't have to deal with this. Because hmm. I know it's probably... Un- it's, the media is making this unnecessarily difficult for them. Hmm. Like, you know, maybe Bill even wants to, like, reconcile. But the media is putting him in a position that he can't. Hmm. And he has to hold true. Yeah. And I don't know what was said in that little meeting, that 20-minute meeting. But that actually made me both happy and sad. Hmm. Because I'm like, I hope something real was said in there. And I'm hmm. sure something was. Was it exactly what maybe Brady wanted to hear? I don't know. I'm never gonna know. Mm. I don't need to know. But like, like I, said, I got the sense that this whole thing is a lot of media crap, mm-hmm. and it's you know there's obviously a, was a riff, yeah. But it was seems to be blown way out of proportion, and maybe I mean it's true, but not quite true the way we think it is. Maybe both of them really do want to reconcile. Yeah. It's just they were being a little petty while they were on the same team. Maybe now that they're on different teams, they can sit and realize and talk. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, and the last thing I want to say. was a lot. It was. But the last thing I want to say about this, too, is, is you know, the media, you know, great at worst decision, blah, blah, blah. I don't even think with the roster the way it is and Bill making the mistakes that he has, I don't think Brady being here the last year would have changed much about the Pats. No, last we year. would have won more games than we did last year, but they still would have probably been a nine or ten win team, and not. I mean, they may have won a playoff game, but I don't think. I don't think Tom leaving meant. I mean, even if Tom stayed, I don't think, think this was a Super Bowl level team anyway. No, no, especially not last year. It's been um, it had been so long. It was just time for an overhaul of this roster, and Bill deserves blame for this a little bit because he whiffed on multiple draft picks, and he's just not good at drafting offensive pieces. No, yeah, he needs to listen to his other people more. Um, and, like, you know, they even said the draft strategy is changing. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, you, you picked Nikhil Harry over A.J. Brown. But I think the media's yeah. take on this is, oh, my gosh, everything would be rocking and rolling still if Bill had just given Tom what he wanted and he stayed here. Like, no, well, no, this team wasn't good enough anyway. Maybe down the stretch. I mean, Brady, especially, like, you know, when you realize you're that good, you're gonna some, some arrogance is going to come with it. And it's well deserved. He's the yeah. be- he is the best. It's not close. Um, and I I understand a guy like Bill like he wants it his way. And then you know Brady's coming in the room like, yo, let's give me some give me some people here, man. Um, 
And that might have pissed Bill off. That probably pissed Bill off. Mm. And then maybe Bill, maybe Bill even got a little petty. It's like, I'm not giving you crap, bro. Yeah. You're the best. Fucking prove <laughs> Freaking prove it. Nah. Damn it. Um, we can edit it out. Yeah, but we didn't even last. <laughs> um, but uh, it may, maybe Bill even wanted to leave at that point. Like, I'm not going to give you crap, so you're definitely going to leave. Yeah. You're not going to play for me. All right. Well, anyway, we will be moving on now when we talk about playoffs <laughs> yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, because I said a dirty word. No, not that. <laughs> All right. Quick break, guys. When we come back from that, we will do a quick uh, preview of the wild card matchups and talk more baseball and stuff like that as we get into the playoffs. Stick with us, guys. Back, ladies and gentlemen, boy, that Bucks and Pats and Brady and talk went that even longer than I thought it would. But well, it's time for some baseball, guys. Playoff time, October baseball. Oh my gosh, I love this time of year. I love this time of year. Not even just baseball. Playoff baseball, football, hockey, basketball. It's all here. No, it's all here right now. And uh, I will have a little focus go away from the NFL on, during this time because I just love playoff baseball so much. Playoff baseball is different. But anyway, so we got our wild card matchups. It ended up not being as chaotic as we thought it might. We got Sox-Yankees in the American League, and we got the Cardinals and the Juggernaut Dodgers. We can win over 100 games but still be a wild card team playing in their one-game playoff. Sox will, go, will turn to Nasty Nate. And he'll go against Garrett Cole, while the Dodgers will go to Max Scherzer, who will take on the crafty veteran Adam Wainwright. So, quick playoff matchup, uh, wild card preview, right here for us. Um, <sighs> gosh, I don't want the Sox to lose. This. That will no. ruin this whole season for me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I, you know, I'm going to be optimistic, and I think the Sox are going to win. Mostly because haven't we lost like five or six straight to New York right now? Yes. Well, I mean, yes. ba- baseball rules say that that doesn't continue. Mm. So, mm. I'm going to go with the Sox on this one. Oh. Uh, I mean, oh boy. Thank God you're at home. At least. We, we, we somehow snuck that in. We got the home one. Uh, you're right. That was disappointing that like... Nothing really exciting. I mean, the Red Sox game was very exciting yesterday. Oh, both games were exciting, but they both came down to the wire. But it's a shame that. Well, it sucks for the Blue Jays and Mariners. I mean, the Mariners lost anyway, so it wasn't going to matter. Yeah. But it, it really sucks for the Blue Jays and kind of for MLB that they couldn't drag this out a little bit more. Oh uh, no, I thought it was gonna be, I thought it was um, going to be a chaotic mess, and I was here for it. But the Red Sox Yankees. I mean, this is also good for baseball. They probably were really crossing their fingers on that one. Just wanted a little more chaos before it happened. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, the pitching mashup is. I mean, we knew it was going to be Garrett Cole. What else are you going to throw out there? However, I mean, I wrote an article the other day about how it should be Nathan Eovaldi. You can check it out on yakiwareport.com. Mm-hmm. And how it should not be Sale. I wrote that not knowing Sale was going to be game 162 starter. But, like, I like Nasty Nate in this situation. The man is a big game pitcher. He just turns it up a notch in big games. I don't know what it is. His fastball just got a little more on it. Stuff like that. I also so like I, it. I, I think this will be a low-scoring game. And if you can just shake up Garrett Cole a little bit, I think you win this game. He's also a better matchup against the Yankees because the Yankees actually have mostly right-handed bats. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, just, and Nate has an overpowering fastball that you can blow away these guys with that ridiculous uppercut. Like, you can overpower Rizzo and Gallo with, yeah. with you know, upper-level fastballs. I mean, he has he's had their number a little bit. Not not he that has. last start against the Yankees. No, he, but he didn't have it that start. You could just um, tell stuff-wise he didn't have it. Mm. But, like, um, yeah, in the playoffs of 2018, he was nails against the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Um so I really like the pitching matchup for the Red Sox right now. Do hmm. I like the game as a whole? I mean, we'll see. The Red Sox are how do you think shaky? Yeah. How do you think the Sox are going to maneuver the lineup? Because man, this defense is terrible. You, but you got to get all the bats in there. Yeah. Kike leading off at second. Yeah, you're gonna have to play Kike at second, right? The outfield's gonna be Schwarber, Verdugo, and uh, Mar- uh No, wait, no, it won't be Martinez. It'll be um, Renfro. Yeah, and JD DHing, and you're gonna have to put Big Bob at first. Bobby, uh, Bobby D is gonna have to play first, and then obviously everything else is the same. Devers at short. I mean, Devers at third. Bogarts at short. Vasquez doing the catching. The problem is if if Nate doesn't have it from the first pitch, like you are screwed. Oh, I know. Because uh, you bad. you need him to go. Yes. For at least, I think, at least six innings. Yeah, yo, they had Pavetta close yesterday. Wouldn't that make you just be like, oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was like, oh, man. How is this going to go? And I, like, I don't want to trash Nick Pavetta, too. I actually like Pavetta. Um, but you pulled the guy from the not, starting rotation to close because yeah. your bullpen's been terrible. Um, yeah, I don't trust Matt Barnes. That's a, I don't want to be those that's falling a, off. That's a good point. Nate has got to be... This comes down to Nathan Eovaldi. It does, because Nate not only has to obviously, I mean, not implode, but Nate also has to go a long time. Like, Nate has to throw six innings at least. Yeah. And, like, he can do that. He can't He can't be, um, he can't be bumping around and manufacturing his way through five innings, even if he only gave up, like, one run through five innings. But if he's in and out of trouble and throwing 115, 120 pitches... Uh, I think they're in a lot of trouble because, wow, yeah. this bullpen is not good right now and it's overworked. Yeah. Um, and, like, you're not – I mean, you know, Garrett Cole can implode sometimes. Sometimes I'll just go off. But he has pitched very well mm-hmm. against the Red Sox there. So you, you're you going to have a nail-biter here probably, at least in t- for the first half of the game. Um, hopefully the first half of the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you, you need to – Nathan has to keep it close one – Two runs. Uh, keep the pitch count down. Don't let him get. Don't let him start feeling it. Don't let him start feeling you out. Um, don't keep the players in the field for a long time. Uh, so, 
I'm very nervous about this. Oh, I'm, I'm, I am terrified. <laughs> this, like, this season is a failure if they lose to the Yankees. This could have been anyone else. And I'd be like, whatever. whatever I know. Happens, I would have been fine if the Jays beat us or the Mariners beat us. Oh, my gosh. I don't want to lose to the Yankees. <laughs> no. The whole season's a failure if that happens. All right. On to the National League. I have no actual proof, reason for saying what I'm saying. There is no smart baseball knowledge coming out of my mouth. This is just a feeling. I'm sorry. I think the Cardinals are going to win. I very much do not. Destiny, baby. Team of destiny. I'm just saying, this is such a weird scenario. I just don't see the weird thing happening. Scherzer's been on for so long, too. He's due to not be great. I know his, his last start wasn't that great, though. But still, they're playing hot and I, I listen again nobody take my advice on this i i'm a baseball nerd to the max strategy you know looking at players that people don't talk about and and all these other things but like i, I just have a feeling i just think the cardinals are gonna win and i very much do not have i know you feeling. don't team of destiny uh. all right uh, so who do you like um so if the Sox advance they're gonna have to play the rays i think we I think we probably feel the same about this. I don't think the Sox have a great chance against the Rays. No. No, here's the thing. What, is Sale going to go game three? Because Sale just pitched. Yeah. Um, hey, you're going to have to rely on him to save your season. And, like, I like Sale. But he is, I said in my article, he's not the clutchest pitcher in the world. Who has to pitch game one, then? Is it going to be Erod or Pavetta? It's got to be Erod, right? Oh, gosh. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves. I know, but well, it'll we're going to do. We're going to do the same thing with the Yankees too. So, um, if the Yankees move on to face the Rays, do you like the Yankees' chance at all, either or no? no. Okay, I don't like their chances either. <laughs> I, I don't think it matters. This is the game the, to lose to the to the Rays. Yeah, I believe that too. And the other reason I really believe that is, other than Garrett Cole, the Yankees have got some very nice pitching performances, um, but they've got pitching performances from kids who are like Cortez and and Gill who. You know, didn't log a lot of innings at the major league level until they just got Luis called Severino up. pitch recently. I know he did. He did. Um, but I mean, they'll throw him I, out there. I don't know if I have a lot of confidence in that either. If I was a Yankees fan, so <laughs> you don't have much. No, you really don't. For uh, starters, no. For the National League, if the Cardinals move on to face the Giants, I think the Cardinals have a chance there too. Because I'm sorry, I don't care how many games the Giants won. I just don't think they're this good. I, I think the Giants will lose to the Dodgers. Oh, I think so, too. If the Dodgers advance, I think the Dodgers will beat the Giants. Yeah. Um, they have more depth. They have more elite players on their roster. I, you know what? I really hope it's neither of those. I, you know what? All those teams that we talked about in the National League right now, Yeah. Giants, Dodgers, Cardinals, I don't want any of them. Oh, I know you don't. Advancing. I no. really don't. They're the most boring teams, so the teams are always there. Give me Braves or Brewers. <laughs> but they have to... Knock off each other first, mm. and then they're going to get knocked off. Yes. They're not making it. All right. So that's, I mean, that's all we need to do with the preview. It's hard to preview just one game, and it's hard to preview a matchup when we don't know who's going to win yet. So, um, but yeah, but I mean, for a more, you can look at the pitching matchup and be like, well, well what do you, but for a more general, a more general entire playoff view, we're going to play a game here, a little game that everybody knows. Uh, I think you played it in high school usually. I, I think there's a lot of girls who usually played it, but still. Really? Uh, maybe the guys did it too. Um, but the game is called uh, Be Family Friendly for a second and say Bang, Marry, Kill. But bang was not the word that you used. Yeah. Oh, I used it earlier, Dom. <laughs> yeah, you did use it earlier, you <laughs> idiot. 
right. So, in, in, in this scenario, guys, Bang is a team we think is a dark horse in the playoffs. Mary is the team that we think has the best chance of winning. And Kill is the team that we don't understand why they're in the playoffs and they have no business being here. The worst team. So, Jesse, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do you first. You get us started. Who do you have for Bang, Mary, Kill? Who do I want to make sweet love to? Are we doing American <laughs> League or National League first? Uh, we are doing American League first. Oh, I'm going to get in bed with the Rays. <laughs> Wait, is that Mary, though, or just Bang? Get in bed. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know. Okay. The F word. <laughs> the Rays. I'm picking Rays. Uh, they are, I mean, to be honest, I want to pick the entire American League as fake. <laughs> Except the Rays. I mean, the Astros are going to be pretty good. Um, it'll probably be Astros and Rays, but I think Rays. I really think Rays. Mm. Who do you want to make sweet love to? <laughs> Wait, but this isn't Mary. Oh, you want to do? You want me to list all three? Yeah, yeah. Do list all three. Okay. Actually, you know what? Can I switch that? Are you going to marry the Rays? I'm going to marry the Rays. I can't marry the Rays and because the, I don't think the, Mar- Ray, uh, the Rays I, have consistency. Actually, pitching. my dark horse, the Red Sox. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because here's the thing: because it's Nathan Evaldi, I somewhat like their chance to beat the Yankees. You asked me a week ago, I'd be like, "Oh my god, we're going to lose." You're probably going to lose to the Rays if you can beat the Rays. I like the matchup of Houston or the White Sox. Mm. So I'm going to go back and change my answer. Okay. I'm going to get in the bed with the Red Sox and I'm going to marry them Rays because it's probably going to be Rays. Who do I think has no business being here whatsoever? The Yankees. <laughs> Are you serious? Here's the thing. I can make an argument for the Red Sox have no real business being here. However, they showed me throughout the season that like, I mean, you were a 102 win pace at one point. Like, the Yankees were just this constant up and down. You're here because you won 13 games in September in a row. That's kind of it. Yeah. You were out. You were down and out. You got no business being here. And then you showed your true colors when that 13-game uh, winning streak was over. You're not a good team. You're really not. You're here because Toronto wasn't good the first half. I th- and the Mariners the, weren't good. This is the first. funny thing from, from my perspective on the American League. I think maybe the best team in the American League isn't in the playoffs. Oh. The Jays. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just think they weren't ready in the first half. I think once these kids really got it going more and they added what they added and stuff. That's definitely what I mean, that the Yankees shouldn't be here. I think they might be the best team in the American League. Uh, I mean, I still would have picked the the Rays over them in Mm. a series. Um, But but that's that's true. They should should absolutely be here over the Yankees. Yeah. Um, And they would have been had they not lost that series. Mm. So, I guess in the end, Yankees did earn to be here, but you are definitely my kill. What are you doing here? <laughs> Who invited you to this party? Yeah, I gotcha. But all right. All right. So, for oh, me- we could call this bed, wed, behead. Bed, wed, behead? Yeah. That's, I like that. Bed, wed, behead. We'll, we'll change the way that, that this thing is said. Okay, so for the American <laughs> League, for me... Who's in your bed? Uh, who's in my bed is um, I have the Rays. I don't think the Rays are my favorite to win this, and the reason is the Rays had to retool their starting rotation, and they still have to do a lot of this, like, mixing and matching in three innings and four innings and stuff, and I don't think that is great for the playoffs. Um, I think that's great in the regular season when you can play matchups way more and you have a larger sample size, but 
human factors play into the playoffs. And I like veteran, especially pitching-wise, who have been in these situations before and the pressure doesn't get to them. I think a lot of kids have a tendency to melt. And I think that kind of thinking is... I mean, this is the kind of thinking that the Rays do that led them to, you know, we got to take out Blake Snell in the World Series. So I think this kind of thinking sometimes isn't great in the playoffs. I feel like you kind of need the guy a little bit more in the playoffs. Um, For Mary in the American League, I have the White Sox because I think they're the best team in the American League. For a similar reason, the Astros have really good pitching, but a lot of the Astros starters that they've relied on are also kids in Frembar Valdez and Luis Garcia, where the White Sox a little bit more experienced with Lucas Giolito and Carlos Rodon, who both are nasty. Add in Dylan Cease, the kid who really has started to come on now in the last, I would say, month and a half, two months of the season. His stuff has always been there. You don't think the game has passed Tony La Russa Filthy stuff. I I mean, maybe, but I think the, the players itself... I, listen, when I look at the roster, I, I think it's the most complete roster in the American League. I think they have the offense to bang with anybody now that Roberts and Eloy Jimenez are back and healthy to throw in with Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. I think their offense is every bit as good as Houston's. And I think their bullpen is better than everybody's because they can throw out Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell to finish off a game. Craig, I know Kimbrell's been sus. I know, I know, Kimbr- I know Kimbrell's been a little sus, but still, you can't deny this stuff. Yeah, but he was also not good in the playoffs for the Red Sox, really. So maybe. I thought he was good in one playoff run. He was good for the Cubs. I thought you were to say one playoff game. I'm like, yeah, there was one game in there. <laughs> uh, the Brave. Uh, he was good for the Braves, I think, one time in their play. I don't remember, but I still think, I, you know, I just think they're the most talented team there. And then the team I'd kill is the Boston Red Sox in the American League. I'm sorry. That's my lover. I know, but like, (laughs) listen, you have Chris Sale, who's still coming back from Tommy John, who's only going five innings. Nate's awesome. I I like Nathan Eovaldi a lot. I don't think Nathan is a true ace number one starter, though, for most teams. He's not, but he's he's for some reason a big game player. Uh, The offense is really good, but the defense is absolutely atrocious, and that seems to sometimes matter in the playoffs because you can't give extra outs. And the bullpen is average at best and probably worse than that because they've been so badly taxed uh, I think they are clearly the worst team in the playoffs in the American League so that's the one I would behead okay alright on to the National League Jesse me I would get in bed with that's Dark Horse right yeah okay yeah. the Braves oh you have the same one as me then we probably have the same ones <laughs> totally no you won't because uh, I said the Dodgers are losing in the wild card. Uh, all right. Well, anyway, I'll, we'll, let's get let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, Braves. I I, th- I absolutely think the Braves. They have a chip on their shoulder. That offense can bang. Thank you. Um, their pitching has stepped up, and I mean, I think you're absolutely going to beat the Brewers. They can't hit. <laughs> um, and sure, they might be able to outpitch you, but it like. It, then every game is going to be like two to one, and that's a winnable game. You need like one or two hits at that point. So I very much pick the Braves to win the first series, and you know if if they can, you know, get some of that energy going, maybe they'll beat the Dodgers. Maybe they'll actually beat the Dodgers this year. Because hmm. um, I'm really rooting for the Braves. And whoever comes out of that series, Braves, Brewers. That's why I want to win the World Series. That's why I mm. want to win the World Series. Mm. Obviously, unless it's the Red Sox. Well, yeah, that goes without saying. Um, who would I marry? 
Well, it's the Dodgers. Dodgers are going to win the World Series, and that sucks. That really sucks. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that fact. Um, but they're going to. It just sucks. They're stacked. They're stupid stacked. Yeah. And who would I kill? The team that has no real business being here. And I'm not talking about the Cardinals. The Giants. Oh, you suck. That's what I mean. <laughs> uh, I knew you were going to pick the Giants for that. Um, you, it's this was nice. This was fun. You won 100. Uh, you actually, I think you tied your franchise record for most wins in a season. I don't know how they did it. It is a shame you're going to lose to the Dodgers in the divisional round. Here's the thing: I don't like them either. Again, another team that's like you've been there recently. Let's share the wealth. <laughs> But please. You're not a commie, please, Jesse. Please. You know what I mean. Let's no, I, get some new winners I, here. I know. You want parity. Let's get some fresh blood. Please beat the Dodgers. <laughs> and if it's the Cardinals, please beat the Cardinals. <laughs> please. Uh, all right. So that's what you have. Yes. That's funny because we're almost the exact same. On that's the what I mean. On the National League. All right. For me, it's the team I'm in bed with. In the American, uh, in the National League, is the Atlanta Braves, for a lot of the reasons you said, and I think they have the only offense in the National League that I think can bang with the Dodgers. And now that Max Fried and Charlie Morton are pitching better, they at least have front of the line starters. Ian Anderson has been pretty good down the stretch. The bullpen can be a little sus, but like I said, I think they're the only team in the National League with an offense that can bang with the Dodgers. If the Reds had made it, I would have said the Reds' offense can, but the Reds didn't make it. They can't pitch. No, they can't. They really can't. Uh, Mary. I would marry the Dodgers, except I think they're going to lose this one game. So I'm going to marry the Milwaukee Brewers. And I know they're playing the Braves in the first round, so all it means is whoever wins that I think is moving on pretty far. But the Brewers, because they have the best pitching here. I mean, Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta, and uh, wow, wow, why am I blanking on the other one's name? Oh, Woodruff. Yeah, and now uh, Woodruff. So I think they have the best starting pitching, clearly, in the National League. So they can shut teams down for all three games like that. The loss of Devin Williams does hurt a ton, though, because they do rely on that bullpen so much. But yeah, that's the team I'd marry. Now, if the Dodgers, if I, if I didn't think the Dodgers were going to lose to this, you know, team of destiny a little bit in the Cardinals, um, then I would have the Dodgers as the team I'd marry. But I just... It's such a wacky thing that this happened that I just I can't see the weirdest possible scenario happening, and that is the Cardinals who have no business beating them winning that game. And then who I'd kill, who I would behead, since now it's going to be bed, wed, wed, and behead, <laughs> is the San Francisco Giants. Because I have no idea how this team got this far. I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know, it's amazing. I look at their lineup and I'm still like, it's not that good. The starting pitching, I mean, I like Anthony Descalfani. I realize that he was in the band box of Cincinnati, and he's a fly ball pitcher, so that's why it works out better in San Francisco. But, like, come on. I mean, Gossman, at least, it's like uh, he finally realized his potential, so maybe he is this good. But I, I, I just don't. I was shocked. Absolutely shocked that they have made it this far. I don't get it. Um, yeah. So that is who I would totally behead. So okay. yeah, I think that I, I like that. I like. Do you have actually? Do you have any any counters though? You know, come at me for the Brewers or anything? Yeah, they uh, they can't hit anything. I don't know why you picked them. Like I, 
you're going to get in a whole bunch of pitching duels, and if you're actually with a team that can somewhat hit, like eventually your starters are going to throw a bad pitch. And eventually the other team's starters are going to throw a bad pitch. But they have a better bullpen than everyone. Okay. It doesn't matter if you can't hit anything. Like I said, eventually both teams are going to have the pitches just going to throw a couple bad pitches. Mm-hmm. You can't even hit the bad pitches, really. Okay. At least the other team might hit a couple. Okay. All right. Maybe. Maybe. All right. So that has been Bed, Wed, Behead with the MLB playoff teams. And guys, we are going to take one last quick break before we go over some awards for the end of the season and then our Darwin Award. So stick with us, guys, as we finish things up. Are we back for the... We're going to do some awards for the MLB and the season just ended. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some Cy Young. We're going to do our Cy Young for each league, the MVP. Some more of the year. Who is our managers? Stuff like that. You know? Managers of the year. The goodies. The goodies. The goodies. Who's going to... And this is like, obviously, like, this is final. Like, we know all. Uh, we, might um, have, we might have a quick, uh, a quick, very heated debate about what the MVP award actually means, Jesse. Yeah, because yeah, everyone's... Maybe, I mean, maybe not everyone's. I don't know everyone's, but some people's ideas are stupid. Uh, but I guess we'll start with MVP then. Yeah. Because I'm still sitting here debating about who I want my Cy Young to be. Uh, Dominic, I will ask you, who's your American League MVP? Do you want my- to list both or just one at a time? Um, no, we'll list both. Okay. Uh, for the American League, I have Shohei Otani. Just because mm. of Vladdy fell off a little bit more by the end of the year, and the Jays' offense is amazing and elite even without him, and so and you can say the same for Marcus Simeon. Salvador Perez is close though, um, but his team sucks. So, and Shohei did both, and Shohei hit more more home runs than just about anybody. Shohei is amazing. We've never seen anything like this. So it's Otani. In the National League, well, the best players for the MVP race who at least have MVP numbers, all their teams didn't make the playoffs. So I like taking playoffs into consideration, but not to the point where someone can have subpar, well, not subpar, but numbers that aren't even close to others. So I have Fernando Tatis as my National League MVP. Uh, He was consistently great all season, despite the collapse of the Padres. 42 home runs. I know his defense isn't great. He really might be the most dynamic, uh, like, player in baseball right now with like the highest he is nuts so i have fernando tatis 42 home runs i mean harper i know might get it because of the playoff thing but harper had 34 homers and i think like 88 knocked in and he hit 309 so he's not saying he wasn't great but fernando tatis larger war more home runs more home runs by the way in a harder park to hit it in in peco park also than uh Citizens Bank. So I have Fernando Tatis as my National League MVP. Mm. How about you, Jesse? My American League MVP. I am a little biased. I was a catcher. I think it should be Salvador Perez. Tied for the league lead 
in home runs. Most home runs ever hit by a catcher ever. 48. Uh, he led the league in RBIs, 121. Uh, I mean, average, just, it fell off a little bit. I think it was batting two, what was it, 273. I mean, it's still really good for a catcher. Mm-hmm. Um, far more than you expect usually out of those guys. And, I mean, I know Otani was a two-way player. They're probably going to give it to Otani because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about Vlad Guerrero, but his stats a little fell off at the end. Um, yeah, he was chasing that triple crown. But, I mean, Salvador Perez mm-hmm. tied for two out of three. So, I, I, I want it to be Salvador Perez. Mm, okay. And I think catchers need a little love. Okay. Joe Meyer won the last MVP okay. for a catcher. I want to talk to you real quick here about what the MVP is to you, though. Because to me... The word valuable matters, and so it yeah. should be no, and so it should be the team, the player who means the most to his team. So to me, yeah, I agree with Marcus that. Marcus, Sim- no, because you don't agree with it. Because to me, I do. Marcus Simeon can't be an MVP because at the end of the day, you can take Simeon out of like. To me, Robbie Ray has a better claim to MVP than Marcus Simeon because you can take Marcus Simeon out of the Jays and the lineup is still elite. It's who means the most to their team. Not just best player with the best how numbers. It, how does it not mean best player? That's what I don't understand. Now you you I you brought up the point of like when when voting for MVP they will take into consideration playoff teams. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you that I think there's absolutely some writers and voters out there that take that into consideration. And I cannot tell you how stupid that is. <laughs> most valuable player. Most valuable player. One man. Don't give a damn about what the rest of his team does or is. Who put up the best stats. Now, you know, we're going to take it all into consideration. The guy I picked has a very not a very low but he's very down on the list in terms of top uh, average but I look at it as a whole right now but he's a catcher yeah and that's I mean that's a, if you can have a catcher that does that can put up numbers I think that's very valuable oh it's amazing is he actually the most valuable player in the MLB that's you know that's up for debate Shohei Otani has a huge argument for him only two way player in baseball right now and he's good at, he's good at both um but it should absolutely come down to who has the best stats. I don't care what team you play for. The name of the award isn't best player. It's most valuable. Exactly. The most valuable player is who is putting no, up most the numbers. to his team. The person who is most valuable to the team is the person putting up the highest numbers. I would make the argument that like... Here's the thing. You look at all 32... <laughs> 32 teams? I would, 30 I, teams. Would argue, I would argue Marcus Simeon's numbers and Buster Posey's numbers are not even comparable. Marcus Simeon blew him out of the water. But Buster Posey I would is Black more Girl. valuable to his team than Marcus Simeon is because without Marcus Simeon, the Jays' offense is still amazingly no. elite. I don't care. If you look at every team, they all have their most valuable player on it. And it's always the player who put up the most numbers. Do you think it's no. Marcus Simeon for the Jays? I kind of think it's Vlad Guerrero. It might be. Um, but he is their most valuable player. If I asked you, who is the most valuable player on a team, whatever team it be, who is the most valuable player on the Cincinnati Reds, Dom? You're going to pick the player, the best all-around stats. Nick Castellanos probably for them. Okay. Yeah. What did he do? Put up numbers. That's why I, I But really, if you ask me the most valuable player on the Jays, I'd tell you Robbie Ray. I wouldn't tell you Vladdy Guerrero. 
or okay. Marcus. Well, here's the thing. That's that is the objective argument here, though. You can pick whoever play you actually won. Well, yeah, but, but my argument, argument for why I'm picking them is because they need him more than they need Simeon. Even though Simeon might have better numbers or Vladdy might like, have better numbers but, comparably. But you feel that he is more important because of his numbers. Now, it's hard to compare pitcher it is. to it is. fielder. It's a, a little different. However, you know, if a guy is just, just pitching out of his mind, like people aren't really hitting. Obviously, he's the MVP of that team. Uh... <laughs> You know, Mike Trout won a couple MVPs. Never played a playoff game in his life. Yeah, um, and he very much deserved those MVPs. He did. Uh, I I hate. I cannot stand the idea of giving it to someone who just who's on a playoff team. Okay. Because here's the thing about that. Even with your argument, those playoff teams clearly have a team. They do. So why? Are I'm we... not even saying they just need to be a playoff team. Just the, t- the player who means the most to his team. That's all. So it's not just how, the numbers. Also how, how do you determine if a player is worth the most to his team? Because without Robbie you Ray... You look at his statistics. Oh, my. No, because if you look at the Rays... What else am I going to look they, at? They don't make it that far right. without Ray because the offense is amazing. You can take Vladdy out. The offense does, MVP doesn't of the, miss a time. MVP of the league is Kike Hernandez. Why? Great locker room guy. Uh, shut up. You can't put value on that. That's not the point. All right. You know what? We got to move on. I just think <laughs> the word valuable should mean something. All right. But, National League MVP, Bryce Harper. They're going to give it to him. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's just move. Let's kind of move on here a little uh, bit. Yeah, all right. We're let's, running out of time. <laughs> we're going to Cy Young. Uh, yeah, we'll uh, Cy Young. Charlie, uh, <laughs> you started. You, you want me start, to start? You can start. Okay, Cy Young. Uh, okay, I'll start. For the National League Cy Young, I'm going to do something that nobody else is going to say, and he's not going to win it. But that's okay because I think he should win it, and that is Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. And here's the big reason why: because Max Scherzer and especially Corbin Burns, I'm talking about Corbin Burns especially, have the luxury of only going five or six innings half the time if they want. Zach Wheeler is the only pitcher who didn't miss a single start in the Cy Young uh, running and the only pitcher who's going to log well over 200 innings. The rest of them, I think Corbin Burns sits at about 150, 160. Scherzer in the same realm. Zach Wheeler on average is going a complete inning and a inning more than Scherzer and almost an inning and a half more than Corbin Burns. Corbin Burns gets a bunch of five innings, six inning starts because his bullpen is elite. And with the Phillies, Zach Wheeler, it's you have to go through the order three times, a full three times because we have absolutely no bullpen. And yet Zach Wheeler's numbers are still comparable to Burns and Scherzer despite the fact that he has to go deeper in games and face more of the lineup. So I think that's why Zach Wheeler should win the Cy Young because he goes more innings and has to do all that and because his numbers are obviously comparable to them despite having to do that and he's the only one of these guys to not miss a single start and log well over 200 innings Mm. for the American League I have Robbie Ray I think Ray's numbers are sick I think they're better than Cole's and I mean that's that's just that's that's what that one comes down to Mm. All right, for mine I'm gonna go American League first okay I mean I agree with you Robbie Ray Mm -hmm. um he has a better ERA than him. He Doesn't has, he have like 246 strikeouts and like 175 innings? Something sick. He has 148 in 193 innings. Actually, his whip is higher than I thought. Yeah. One point. Well, he does walk, guys. 1.04. Um, Wait, 196 punch-outs and 148 innings? 148 punch-outs okay, in 193 innings. That's sick. Um. And I mean, I think they're going to give it to Garrett Cole. That's like Randy Johnson level. Because Yankees, 
Yeah. And they take in that crap. No, they do. Uh, those considerations. But yeah, I know. I definitely think Robbie Wright. I'm a big ERA guy when looking at um, a big ERA and whip. Oh, I, I, I agree when with looking that. looking at Cy Young. So that's why like, I was sitting here having a debate between kind of four guys. I was looking at Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, and Brandon Woodruff. I'm going to go with Corbin Burns. Leaves the league in ERA. Uh, you're right. He does not put up the innings. Him and his five innings. Uh, that uh, Zach Wheeler does. But, I mean, even in those, he's at, he had 167 innings pitch. I know. Uh, which I think was the lowest of those four that I just listed. Yeah, exactly, because he goes five innings. Um, but he has 234 strikeouts. I know his, I know his numbers are sick. And his, I mean, that ERA is so good. I know. And he's got a whip of .94, I which know. actually Max Scherzer has a lower whip. Hmm. Um, but I just, it was so, it was so good. I know. <clears throat> so I, I'm going with Corbin Burns. All right, you can you can do that. Little statistics there. All right, on to the rookie of the year. I'll let you start this time. All right, for National League, we're picking the same. It is, yeah. There's no, we all know who's winning the National League. Uh, it's Jonathan India. Yeah, I mean, I. I I can't really even find anyone in consideration other than him. No, to be there's honest. no one. There's no one in the National League. Uh, for American League, we we actually we threw around a couple names last night. Uh, I went. Oops. Let me just just get his stats up, so I, I don't want to s- speak untruth. I went with Adolis Garcia. Okay. On the Rangers. Uh, you're right. He did really fall off second half of the year. I mean, he ended his average at the end of the year was under 250. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, he put up 31 bombs, 90 home runs, 90 home runs, 90 RBIs. Yes. Um, not the easiest to do on a team that kind of sucks around you. Yeah, um, that's true. 16 stolen bases. Uh, I I think I think it's him. Okay. I think he might probably not just because like no one really looked at the Rangers. No, I think he is going to win it. Okay. No, I think it's pretty clear he's going to win it. Okay. Um, um, I just learned right now he's 28. Yes. Uh, to me, I don't want to pick Garcia because of how bad he fell off. I think the league kind of figured him out. He has a 286 on base. He doesn't walk at all. Um, I want to go with Alex Manoa. And I know he doesn't. He didn't play as long as everyone else, but he's still logged over 100 innings. And to me, he was the most elite player of any of the American League rookies, the most polished. Uh, 111 innings, 77 hits, 127 punch-outs, a 3.22 ERA, and a 1.05 whip. That's while pitching in the American League East in what is a kind of a homer-friendly ballpark as well. Um, I think it should be Alex Manoa. I think he's the best of the American League rookies. And for the National League, we have Jonathan India, which, I mean, there's no debate there. Why not Manoa, Jesse? Why not Manoa? Uh, he's, he, he wasn't as exciting to watch, to be honest. Oh, my gosh. It's, I mean, it's a little hard to compare the two. It is. It um, is. It's, it's hard. It's always hard to compare pitching to. Yeah. But to me, Manoa's pitching numbers are more elite than Garcia's offensive numbers. Okay. That's, I mean, especially that's, in that's the day and age with so many people hit home runs. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and like we said, he really did kind of fall off the second half of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe that had to do with a little bit of team plays. You know, losing interest a little bit. People slump with the team's not doing good. Sometimes you can slump with them. You just get down on yourself, stuff like that. Mm. Uh, but I mean, he was just he's, he's exciting to watch. Yes, he was. All right. So the last one, manager of the year in the Ameri- uh, in the National League, I have Mike Schilt. 
the Cardinals manager because I don't know how we kept them together this long, kept them all engaged when there were so many times where I felt like they were kind of out of it. I mean, we didn't even put them in the in the uh, fat lady singing segment because we were all just like, come on, <laughs> come on, they're not worth, they're not even on the bubble really. So I don't know how they did it. And then I'm going to go with Scott Service in the American League because I don't really see a, a great bunch of American League candidates. I mean, I think, I mean, maybe people will give it to cash, but I think we all kind of thought that they should win the division this year. So, I mean, to me, maybe they won more games than I thought they would, but I think we all kind of thought they should win the division. And then, listen, I'm not giving Dusty Baker credit for the Astros or La Russa credit for the White Sox. They're clearly the best team in their division. So, Seattle was there the whole way, despite the fact that I don't even think they're that good of a roster, so I'm going to go with Scott Service in the American League. I'm going to list my American League first, because actually I strongly considered him, because like what Seattle did... Uh, I mean, it was very exciting and fun to watch and sh- shocking because, I mean, no one even in this beginning of the season picked Seattle to do anything at all. Mm. Um, but I went with Charlie Montoya mm. in Toronto because, I mean, another team that I-, I think they had more, definitely had more expectations than Seattle. We still didn't think they were going to really be a playoff team. Mm. Um, but he really pushed them forward that second half. Yeah. You could argue like part of it was the trade deadline, and it was, but you still have to, you know, put the product on the field and compete. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really feel like he he made them better. Yes. A good team, a well built team, but I still think he made and got the most out of his players. And that's that's what you're looking for in a coach, right? Yes. And my National League Phillies legend, Gabe Kapler, <laughs> which I bring this up. Partly because, I mean, I really think he should deserve it. Like, we, no one was picking the Giants at all. Um, and this really good. makes me think, what the hell is wrong with the <laughs> Phillies organization? Which, like, we could ask that question anyway. That team on paper is really good, and yet the product in the field is subpar, to say the least. But that makes me think, like, why couldn't Gabe Kapler kick that team any forward if he's doing this with the Giants? And why did he, he get kicked out? <laughs> yeah, he had one year? I think he had one year, yeah. Yeah. Like, you should have waited, Philly. Should have gave him at least two years. But yeah, I picked Gabe Kapla. All right. Kapla. All right. And from that, guys, we are ready to finish this up. Darwin Award. I am especially excited about this one this week. Oh, listen, if, I love doing this. If, if anything is textbook, it's Darwin what, Award is this. No, I was about to say, I, I love doing this. It's one of my favorite things about this show. But... They're not all created equal. And boy, no. this this one is exactly no. what we created. We this started seg- last week. We did. This is exactly what we created this segment for. So, Jesse, drum roll, please. Let's go. This week's Darwin Award winner is Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers. Hmm. Oh, boy, you did it. Holy crap. Is it, Does it get more textbook Darwin Award than this one, Jesse? Not from what we've had so far. Not This is I the mean, best one yet. It really is. And, and there have been some good ones, but oh my gosh. So Devin Williams, the elite bullpen man of the Milwaukee Brewers, a team that relies on their bullpen more than any other team in baseball. Revolutionary in this, in the way that they depend on that bullpen. Williams, one of the best guys in game. Second, really, to just kind of like Hayter and maybe Liam Hendricks this year and a few other guys, but absolutely amazing. The night the Milwaukee Brewers celebrate clinching the playoffs. We all get, we drink, we have champagne, we have a good time, that's fine. But Devin Williams, 
after done celebrating with his team, went out with some other people. I don't know if it was teammates or just friends, but went out with other people to celebrate more. Got so drunk that then got upset about something, went home and punched a wall. His right hand, his throwing hand, and broke it. And now we'll miss the remainder of the season. Oh my gosh. How the heck do you let this happen? I wonder what uh, bone in particular he broke. If it's in his wrist, uh, maybe me and him could touch screws one day. Because I'm going to screw in my wrist. Yeah, and listen, guys, we've all punched walls and been mad, I think. But wow. Just wow. The irony of when this happens and just how are you not in the headspace? Of going into the playoffs, being like, at all costs, I will barely do anything with this throwing hand and shoulder. Like, you might as well just wrap your arm in bubble wrap at this point. Like, I can't believe at no point was there ever a thought in his mind, no matter how mad he was, just not the time and place, bro, at all. I, I This is amazing to me. I can't imagine having so much alcohol that I would ever do that. No, I mean, I mean, I'm not that angry drunk. So I and I have the thing: you just clinched the playoff. Why are you angry at all? I have no to, idea. To be honest, this is the one of the, if not the best, at least so far, textbook, like Darwin. How at the same time, like, what do you say other than you're just an idiot? There's not a like, lot to like, say here. Like, bro, why? Yeah, you, it's just stupid at all matters. Like I said, I can't imagine ever being so drunk that I could do that in a situation like that. No, if anything, I'm vibing. Yeah. Like, oh, man, you can't piss me off no matter what you do. Yeah, like, we just made the playoffs. Yeah, you should be on cloud nine. Far, I mean, and actually, I mean, I mean, your pitching staff puts you up as a real contender too. I mean, unless you like got home and you saw your wife banging another dude, I can't think of anything that would make me so mad. Punch him that I would flip out to this point at that point in that my life. Hit him where I had just been celebrating with my whole teammates after after a long grind of 162 games, us making the playoffs. I can't even. Wow, just wow. So, Devin Williams, you did it. Not only just for the week, I think this is the winner of the Darwin Award so far of all hey, the shows that we have done. I think he could even win a second one. He, he could. If he comes back and sucks, <laughs> I think he should get a second one. What, oh, next year? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, guys, that has been it for Slow Your Roll. Uh, hit me up on Instagram or Facebook at Slow Your Roll. We're also creating a web page when that is all up and done. I'll post that um, wherever it needs to be posted. And have a good week, every guys. Have a good rest of your week, everybody. And uh, Red Sox, let's go Sox. Holy crap, I'm nervous. Tomorrow night, 8.07. Yes. Evaldi and Cole. Good night, everyone. <laughs>